They shift him from right to left. Play action to that side. Rolling right, looking. Fires in the end zone. Got a man. Oh, touchdown. That's a tight end from 15 yards out. Welcome to the Bowl Season Stories Podcast, Season 3, Episode 19. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season. And today we are joined by Big Ten Conference Commissioner Tony Petiti and Air Force Academy running back Emmanuel Michelle. If you missed any of our previous episodes, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's show, we'd appreciate you to like, subscribe, and drop a five-star rating. And as always, you can follow all the Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Today's show is brought to you by Sport Radar, reimagining immersive experiences for sports fans and betters. Our first guest is in his first year as the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference. He's a proven leader who brings nearly four decades of experience in college and professional sports. He most recently served as deputy commissioner and chief operating officer of Major League Baseball and president and chief executive officer of the MLB Network. Please welcome to the show Big Ten Conference Commissioner Tony Petiti. Tony, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Tony, you're the newest FBS commissioner, having been hired back in May. Tell us about your first six months on the job and what is a day in the life like for the Big Ten Commissioner? Yeah, it's been a really, uh, first of all, it's been great to have the job. I mean, I, I love the job and the opportunity, especially at this time in college athletics. There's so much going on, uh, but, you know, the ability to uh, to work with these great institutions and represent our student athletes and and have the kind of season we had this past fall has been really exciting. And on top of that, uh, just being involved with all sports, being able to get out and get on campus is really the best part of the job. You know, obviously there's been some big things with expansion um, and, and then, you know, having to redo our schedules across all sports um, and then getting up to speed on all the things that are impacting, you know, student athletes and the future model for college athletics. It's almost like having two jobs running the conference in the traditional way every day, but then also working with my colleagues in the other conferences, trying to figure out how to solve some of these bigger structural issues. Well, I hope to get into a couple of those issues uh, a little bit later. Uh, you come from a strong sports media background. We mentioned your time at MLB. But before that, you spent eight years at ABC, 10 years at CBS. In those roles, you used to negotiate television deals for conferences, mm -hmm. all games. So you're on the other side of the equation. How is your perspective coming from the media segment of collegiate sports prepared you for your current role as commissioner? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's sort of unique is that uh, I was able to, in my role on the media side at ABC and CBS, you know, specifically to not only just, you know, buy existing packages of, of rights, but help, but help shape those. And when you're doing the, when you're doing that, you're building relationships with, you know, commissioners to be able to do that. The BCS is a good example. That was a pretty significant change in college football. And so in a lot of ways, you know, I was talking with commissioners Kramer and Delaney and Hanson and Corrigan, you know, every day. And so I think I saw a different perspective of it is not just like, hey, here's the rights package. How much do you want to pay? And let's buy it and then we'll schedule it. It was a little bit different. So I felt like that experience really helped me. Um, and the other part of it is when I was at MLB, you know, when you're on the league side and selling rights from the league side, I think it's a, it's a different feel also, right? Because you're sort of on the inside. So I've been lucky to be on both sides where I've sold significant rights and also you know, been mostly buying them. So I think that part's been been really helpful in this job and, and understanding how conferences work. It is a lot of similarity to how MLB operates, right? We've got our soon to be 18 members and 28 sports. MLB's got, you know, 30 teams, 30 owners, 30 general managers. It's sort of, a, there's a similarity in how you have to work and, and build consensus. 
you you hit it you you know my days at the big east that's that's the key right building consensus you know you don't have one boss to please like you know if uh somebody owning an nfl team or a major league baseball team you got uh, 18 people you have to keep happy uh it's a big chore i know that yeah right and they're not all similarly situated right so just everything by sport by resources by strengths it's all different and you have to understand uh, how that you know impacts you with the way you make decisions you got to do the best for everybody all the time now you alluded to this the big 10 is currently in the midst of a, a major conference expansion you're going to 18 teams prior to your hire the conference added usc and ucla and since you've mm -hmm. been there uh you've added oregon and washington all four of them will begin big 10 competition next season that being said, tell us about your vision for the conference moving forward with 18 teams and how are you positioning the Big Ten as the first coast-to-coast -coast conference in college sports? Yeah, I think it starts with you know, going back to you know what it's like to be inside the Big Ten and, and, and why these additions, USC, UCLA, prior to me arriving and then Oregon and Washington uh, this past summer. You know, the first is, you know, the academic compatibility is really important to our presence. It's a big part of the tradition and the and the sense of what the Big Ten is. And so those four you know, are there. The next thing that's really important is having great strength and depth in broad-based Olympic sports, and and those four fit the bill there. And the next thing is, you you know, to be in the Big Ten right now, uh, you know, being strong in football really is important. And so that's where we start, and those those four couldn't fit, you know, more perfectly. Um, you know, the coast-to-coast -coast part, I think as you think about, you know, all these changes and the things that are happening structurally, you know, I just believe having, you know, um, you know, scale and great content across multiple, multiple sports is really important in the future. And I think the, I think we're set up to do that so that, you know, as things change, you know, our, our games, our student athletes are going to be extremely relevant. And so the, 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 the strength of a league will, will always be there. So regardless of what happens in the media landscape, as we move to streaming or other things, you know, people are going to want and care deeply about big tens, you know, you know, sports across, across all of our sports. And so that's the way I sort of look at it. Like we're positioned really well. We're deep, you know, we touch, we have great scale. We have incredibly passionate fan base. Uh, we've got great student athletes. We've got great academic tradition and we've got great media partners to navigate the next few years. So I feel, you know, really bullish that we're in such a great place. Um, so I'm excited about that. Now, like there's the things that we'll learn when you, when you add and you change the geography, we'll learn some things over these next year or so. And, you know, just like anything else, scheduling is kind of a living thing and we'll, you know, we'll make adjustments as we see fit, but we feel really great about where we are. Now, this was your first bowl season as commissioner of the Big Ten. What are your biggest takeaways and why do you think bowl games are so important to your conference? Yeah, there's sort of two parts, right? There's the part as we get into an expanded CFP next year about giving, you know, teams the opportunity to play for a national championship. And I really believe that, you know, four just wasn't enough. So I'm, I'm excited about the fact that we're expanding, giving more programs a chance to get in and, and just play it and let it, let it get decided on the field. And so more is better there a hundred percent. And then secondly, for those, for those teams that just don't get to that level in a given season, you know, giving them the opportunity to play for something, to play a meaningful opponent in a venue that's, you know, the, where their fans can travel and feel good about it give them a different initial experience, keep them together to practice. Like that's all always been really important. And I think, you know, college football has always had to navigate both of those halves, right? Driving a meaningful championship while at the same time, you know, rewarding other programs. Because, you know, if you think about like a professional league, it's 30 or 32 teams. You know, we've got so many more teams and then very few get the opportunity to play 
you know, for that championship. And so we, it's, it's just great that the sport's always done a good job of trying to expand the, the opportunities for, for student athletes. Yeah, it's interesting. I think people get surprised sometimes when they ask me about my opinion of the playoff, you know, in my role uh, overseeing bowl season. I tell them all the time, I love the playoff. I, I think it's great for college football. And this sport needs a meaningful mechanism to crown a national champion. But as you said, there's so many institutions and they're not all created equal, even within your own conference. You could, you could argue you're, you oversee the, the top one or two most, you know, successful and powerful conferences in the country, but within your own membership, it's diverse, right? Not, not all of your institutions can aspire to reach that playoff on an annual, annual basis. And they need a meaningful opportunity uh, to enjoy the postseason. I think bowl season does that for them. Yeah, that's a great way to find success, right? So you, you're able to say that, you know, this is a success, successful season. We qualified to play in the bowl. We had a good experience. We win the game, hopefully. Um, and that's, you know, leads into the next season. You build upon that. I want to turn back the clock to your years as an executive uh, at ABC. Mm -hmm. It's ABS. Uh, we mentioned earlier you were involved in, in, uh, in televising bowl games. What are some of your favorite bowl memories from back then and bowl games you've attended or bowl games you watched? Yeah, I think the first early one is probably the Sugar Bowl um, when, you know, we, uh, it was the first year of the conference championship in the SEC, which we had the rights to at ABC Sports. We had the first one. The game was played in Birmingham in Alabama. I think if I remember right, gone into that game, number one in the country, they're playing the Steve Spurrier, tough Florida team. They had to win that game. And then uh, if they didn't, you know, they, their chance to win the national championship was probably gone at that point. So it was a lot of pressure. Um, on that game, they came through, they won the game, and then they went to the Sugar Bowl to play Miami and they you know, won the national championship. So, you know, that whole run up from that regular season was probably like, I think the second season where I really worked on the college football schedule, like fully. And so, you know, that run up and then getting through that first championship game uh, and then going into that, you know, into that Sugar Bowl, it was just really special. And then, you know, I went to one of the first early Rose Bowls that ABC had back in the day when it moved from NBC there. So they're all just great experience. I've been fortunate to go to pretty much, you know, most of them uh, at this point. And, you know, it's obviously different in this role than, than that, you know, there you're hoping for a close game. You're less vested in the outcome, <laughs> obviously. Um, but you want, uh, you know, you just want a great game on the field. So that, that, that part of it's great. And, and you realize also like that, just all the things that happen around a bowl game, the volunteers and the traditions that, you know, are away from the field that the student athletes get to, get to experience. Like it's meaningful, like, and, and they're fun. And it's part of it. It's, it's always been that, that tradition. I think our listeners know that this show generally does not consist of a lot of hard hitting questions. Uh, most of my questions to you have been pretty easy so far. I do need to challenge you on one. And, and we talked about this. I want to, I want to just get your perspective because in the last couple of weeks, we've heard a lot of coaches speak out about what has happened to the quality of bowl games with so many players entering the transfer portal. Mm. Dabo Sweeney, Kirk Ferentz from your conference. And I, had, I generally agree with them, you know, and I think it's important to understand that, that they, they are careful to say that they love bowl games and they're going to be around. Uh, I've been making the point that bowl games are not the problem. It's the stacking up of all these major events at the same time, the transfer portal, the early signing period, the preparation these teams are going for the postseason, all happening at once. It seems as if the college football calendar needs to be reinvented. What do you think we can do to fix these problems, not just for the sake of the bowl system, but yeah. for the game of college football in general? Yeah, there's a couple of things. One, obviously you're right. It's not it's not the bowl game that creates this problem, right? So that's not the issue. It's the fact that we have a system that 
we don't have a lot of control over or and not in the and look, student athletes should be able to move and go to the places where they want to go to get the best opportunities. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the right thing. Um, but all of that, you know, it, it has an impact on the bowls, right? But it's at the very sort of back of the season. We have a lot of work to do on what the future model is with student athletes. And I just think that, you know, obviously going forward, student athletes are going to get more benefits and we've got to, you know, embrace that. And I think we do. Um, and, and we expect it to, to continue to go in that direction. The question is, you know, when we do that, how can we still protect, you know, participation in games and what's, you know, what makes sense. And, and, and look, you have to understand like for every individual player, their own decision is very personal and it could be about, you know, pursuing a professional career. It could be about pursuing an opportunity to play someplace else within the college system. Like that's all fair. Like no one should be criticized for making those decisions, right? That you got, you know, we all start from the place of doing what's best for the, you know, for the individual and their family. Um, but also at the same time, you know, respecting what, you know, what the overall and you know, their teammates and everything. So it's a little bit, it's, a, it's difficult because to me, it's, it's about solving these bigger issues that we're facing. And until we solve those, this is probably not going to change very much. Yeah. I agree. Last question for you, Tony. In this time of great change and unpredictability in college athletics, what do you think, or should I say hope, the next 12 months has in store for us? I think what we I think we get to a place where, you know, we can have a system that we can sustain that's rational, that that is still about the student athlete model being protected, that that works for an overwhelming majority of student athletes. It always has um, their great opportunities. We have great institutions. We want to protect that. Well, at the same time, we, you know, we modernize our rules. We find a way to give student athletes more um, and, you know, put all those things together and thread that needle to come out with a system that does all those things. But there's, you know, the core of what we do is still great, um, but things are changing and we have to, we have to be, you know, we have to understand that. And we've got to get to a place where, um, you know, there's some, there's some sustainability and, and, and a positive rationale for how we do things. And so I think hopefully the next 12 years, we'll have more clarity on getting to a place where, um, it is just looks a little bit different than it does now. I hope you're right. Well, Tony, thanks so much for joining thanks. us. Appreciate your time. Really appreciate the fact that you're uh, at, at in your current role and in a position to influence what happens in the future of college athletics. You, a lot of people say you came from outside college athletics. I, I happen to know that you you know college athletics as well as anybody and have seen it from different directions. So you're perfectly positioned to be a part of the solution. Uh, we appreciate that. Good luck to you and your conference in uh, Michigan in the championship game. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for your time. Really enjoyed it. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Tax Act knows watching college football is fun. Doing your taxes? Not so much. That's why they make filing simple. So let's get them over with. Tax Act, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Our next guest just completed his football playing career after five years at the Air Force Academy. The senior fullback ran for an Air Force bowl record, 203 yards on 35 carries, on his way to becoming the MVP of the 2023 Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Please welcome to the show, Emmanuel Michelle. Your friends call you Eman. I'll, I'll, I'll do that if that's okay with you. Eman, thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's perfect. Thank you. Right. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's let's start start off by talking about that Armed Forces Bowl um, in two parts to it. Before we talk about what happened on the field, tell us a little bit about the Bowl Week activities and what you enjoy the most about your time there. Uh, the Bowl Week is fun. Um, I've, I've been a part of quite a few, I guess, even going back to 2019 with the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, 
So I, I kind of I kind of experience pretty much a good bit and and kind of get the gist of it all. I think the best thing, mo the most uh, memorable thing was um, the luncheon we had the day before the game. Um, when we had uh, a Medal of Honor recipient um, come and sp uh, speak to us, uh, his name was Flo. And I think that was just kind of impactful, just hearing his story and things that he went through and, and and how he ended up winning a Medal of Honor. So I think that was that was the biggest thing that was like most fun. Um, and then we had this like little uh, trading card thing um, where we were like competing with, with the other team to see who got the best card, um, best trading card. And I think that was a little a little fun too. So those are probably the two biggest things I, um, I'll take away from that that week. Very cool. Well, on the field, you rushed for 203 yards on 35 carries, as we said, broken Air Force Bull record. Now, up to that point in your career, you played 33 games. You didn't have a ton of 100-yard rushing games. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you bust out with 203 in your last game. I, I, that's that. What a great memory to go out with. What was going through your head during the game? I mean, really, kind of just going through the week. I kind of, well, take you back even further. Um, I kind of just got, got injured a little bit. On the back half of the season, didn't really play much in in uh, November, and I finally got healthy and just kind of had one more game to wear the to wear the blue uniform, and it was just kind of a mindset going going into that week and that preparation, just like just making the most of it and just like just go out with a bang, like kind of one of those games where you don't even want to get out the game and you just want to just lay it out lay it all on the line and kind of where the game kind of when the game started, you know, come off the pregame, you just kind of just soaking in that moment because you know it's that it's that last game, it's kind of like that big culmination of what you what you've done in your career there at the, at the school and it's like dang you got to just make the most of it man really it's I started with the first play of that game I mean breaking away for about 50 I was like okay this is going to be a good day and, and obviously the rest was history after that you you deserve that uh, experience for sure you worked a long time for that we talk a lot in today's climate about the the demands of being a student athlete, you know, especially at a high level, but for you and your teammates, even more than that, student athletes plus, I call it. Can you please walk us through a typical day of being at an athlete at the Air Force Academy and highlight some of the bigger differences, as far as you know, between your programs and the traditional FBS programs? Yeah, man, um, it, it's a good bit. And you kind of you kind of get used to it as you as you go on and and kind of forget how much you actually have to have to endure being a, a cadet at the Air Force Academy. But as the day starts, uh, you're waking up around around six thirty. You have uh, like formation in the morning um, around six forty five, and then from there you got breakfast, and then you have all your classes in the morning. And you're taking classes like electrical, computer engineering, aeronautical engineering. You're taking all these 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 heavy classes and they, they give you a real broad range of just academics to just make you a well-rounded uh, individual. And that, that's kind of probably a, a big thing that's different from um, another, another uh, program. And then from there, you have new mill formation where you're marching and, and, and all this stuff. And uh, then in the afternoon you have practice and everything and you're not getting back to your room until about 7, 30, 8 o'clock. Then you got to do your homework. And then you have other jobs that you have within your squadron, just military jobs that you got to um, attend to. Um, so it's just a lot of just, yes, you have your academics, you have your your, um, your football, but you got to just attend to a lot of military stuff. That's just another load that pretty much takes just as so much time as the other two things I just mentioned. So and I think the biggest thing just from an FBS program, another FBS program from the football perspective, just probably our resources a little bit limited and the things you can, you're allowed to do, obviously with the NILs and the, and the uh, transit portal, you, we don't have that here. Um, in terms of just, you go to other programs and I got buddies at Clemson, Auburn and uh, Michigan and all that. 
like they should get fed well. Really, they go there and it's strictly football for the most part, and 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 that that's their really their their number one reason for being there. And for us, we got a lot of other things to attend to on top of trying to win football games and play at a high level. I got to ask you kind of a little different kind of question because I, I was watching the game and there was a post game mm-hmm. interview with one of your teammates. You probably didn't see it because you were you know on the field celebrating and collecting your MVP trophy. Your teammate uh, Bo Richter was asked about your team's performance. And I'm going to quote what he said, because I, because I rewound it and I made my, my 19 and 21 year old sons watch it. Cause it was such an unusual answer for uh, you know, how old you guys are now 23 year old uh, individual. He said, he said, uh, our coaches never give us a break and that's what we expect from them. They never give us a day off and we appreciate that. They never get off our back and we love them to death and appreciate them. It, it just struck me as just a different type of answer for today's yeah. you know, and tell us about that mindset. I'm guessing that's that's a typical answer any one of your teammates would have given. Yeah, like yeah, you ask anybody that's that's probably the answer you're gonna get. We just we just embrace the grind, we love it. Um, and we want our coaches to push us to the furthest extent and to continue to make us better. And even going into a bowl game, you know, a lot of lot, a lot of people can kind of relax and ease off the gas, but like at that point we're ready to go as hard as hard as we ever we ever gone and and then all of our coaches even coach Calhoun head coach was just like yeah like practice is gonna be hard it's gonna be tough we're gonna continue pushing and you're gonna be an even better football player than you thought you were you know throughout the 12 weeks during the season um and that's just that's just kind of our mindset it's how we go and an academy has, has a little a little bit to roll um uh, a little bit to uh, play into that just because you're always doing something there's always something to achieve there's always a way you can get better and even if you're, even if you're good you're, you're just another level you can um tap into and it's just that mindset, just not getting complacent, and just always striving for more. Let's talk a little bit more about your bowl experience. The Air Force football program has now won five straight bowl games. You were part of four of them. You were at the Cheez It Bowl when you know early in your career, and I don't think you played in that one, but you're mm-hmm. on the trip. Uh, then you played in two Armed Forces Bowl, a First Responder Bowl. What does that string of success in the postseason mean to the Air Force football program? And are there any memories from those other bowl experiences that stick out in your mind? Um, it means a lot, man, because at those times you're playing a pretty a pretty good opponent. Um, we played Washington State, and they're, they're a ranked team back back then uh, in 2019. Played um, Louisville, who's a, who's a good team, and just got done having a good year this year. We played um, in Baylor last year. It was another good team, and obviously Jamie had had success. So you're playing good good opponents, and be able to come out and just show what Air Force football is about. And the hard work that we put in, put in day in day out, and to be able to just finish and with a, t- a top tier opponent, and really, really dominate, which I feel like we've done in the last few years, is just it just means a lot and just shows what we're all about. And then, what about you? oh, good, I'm sorry. Yeah, just just on favorite, you asked me favorite uh, experience, favorite moment, probably probably be this, this last game, just being able to go out, go out like that. You'll remember that one forever. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite stats every year is that the service academies rank near the top of FBS for, for least amount of penalties. I think people attribute that to the emphasis put on discipline within those, those academies. How do you think the value of discipline plays in the game of football? It's huge because the game is, it's a game of inches. And when you get into these big games, like the team that makes the, le- the least amount of mistakes, I mean, you know, it's going to put themselves in, in a good position to be successful and, you can just look at the la- the last weekend in these college football playoff games and just the amount of just little mistakes that that happen um, kind of just change the course of the football game and, and momentum is a big thing and the game can swing in any which way 
with turnovers and penalties and putting yourself on the eight ball. Um, so it's, it's huge, man. And and I'm, I'm glad I'm at a, I was at a program that just emphasized discipline because not even on the football field, but as a man, it's just important to just have that uh, characteristic. Last question for you. You graduated in, in December prior to the bowl game. That means you were a second lieutenant in the United States Air Force while playing in the bowl game. What does your post-graduation life look like? And how do you think the lessons you learned on the football field will translate into your job in the Air Force? Um, so right, right now, I'm on 60 days of leave. I'm kind of just hanging out with the family and just, just doing whatever I want, really. Um, and I don't report to, to my base and, and my job until the end of February. And just with the things that I learned with football, you really just learn leadership and resiliency and, and all these things. And it kind of just makes, makes, makes whatever job I go into just easy. Cause I've just experienced the hardship, the adversity and how to overcome it and how to, you know, stay poised and calm under pressure and, and, and not, not be fearful and, or, or run from anything. We're going, going to hit anything just st straight on. And I think just football is, just, is invaluable to just teach you like everything you need to, you need to know to just, be a, a solid a solid young uh young man well e-man thanks so much for your time I, I we really appreciate hearing your perspective that your mindset on your approach to the game you're you were fun to watch uh for four years you're an asset to the game of football but even more so you're an asset to this country really an, an, an amazing young man it's privileged for us to have you on the show today so thank you yes sir thank you for everything take care well that'll do it for this week's podcast if you missed any of our past episodes, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's show, we'd appreciate you to like, subscribe, and drop a five-star rating. And as always, you can follow all the Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening.